When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Comedy Central. Welcome to Good Talk with Anthony Jeselnik, a show so easy to make, it got me back on television. And baby, I hate television. But not tonight. My guest tonight is comedian award-winning co-screenwriter and all-around star, Kumail Nanjiani. Kumail, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Do you consider yourself a stand-up comedian who's also a movie star, or are you a movie star who now dabbles in stand-up? No judgments. Well, <laughs> the movie star is very nice. I feel great about it, no matter what the judgment is. You're a star is. of a movie, like Correct. movies plural. Um, I think I'm still primarily a stand-up, even though I haven't been able to do it as frequently as I would have liked to continue doing it. Yeah, I mean, you've been busy, but in your mind, you still think of yourself as a comedian yeah. who's just doing this. Definitely, definitely still a comedian. It's one more fun than the other. Comedy or acting? Yeah. Acting is more challenging. I think with stand-up, and I'm sure you know this feeling where you're like, in any room you could be like, oh, I, I know I can go above a certain level. No matter how difficult the room is, whatever it is, you feel like you got your bag of tricks, you sort of know how to get there, right? With acting, I feel it's much more challenging for me, so it's, it's more exciting. Just, but being on stage killing is so much fun. Acting rarely is that much fun for like that long. Acting's sure. a lot of waiting. But there's acting and you're like, you don't really have control. You're sitting in a trailer most of the day. I understand why stand-up would be more fun. But when you're a movie star, when you're top billing, that must be seductive. That must be like, maybe I just do this. It's really fun. I mean, there is a person who's, if it's raining, there's a person whose job it is to hold an umbrella over your head. You're like you the president. From the trailer. Yeah. Kind of. And so you see how people become assholes very quickly. Um, I remember when we were shooting The Big Sick uh, two years ago, um, and that was the first time I was the lead of a movie. I was walking to set or something, and it was a very small corridor, and somebody I, was like in my way, and then he like got out and I heard someone yelling at him, being like, when number one is coming, you get out of their way. That's number one on the call sheet. And that's when I was like, this is pretty great. That is awesome. <laughs> Do you ever think you'll get to the point where you're like, don't look me in the eye? No, I mean, I don't, I mean. Because that seems fun. It does, but for me, part of being good at it involves sort of talking to people and, and feeling really loose. If I'm like sort of sequestered and in my head and doing that, that's, that's when I start to get really in my head and I don't want to do that. I'm always interested in acting because I don't understand it or respect it. Um, no follow-up questions? Great. <laughs> how much of your acting success do you contribute to your belief in Scientology? I cannot confirm or deny that, but 
I was talking about this the other day. We were walking by the Scientology Center, and someone was like, let's go in. And I was like, what if they don't want us? What a slap in the face Please. that would be. They're taking any one body. They don't care. <laughs> Here's a fun question. You ever play pranks on set? No, I don't really. Who cares? <laughs> still sounds like a gunshot, still makes me laugh. You once said in an interview, we did our research, uh -oh. that the greatest set you've ever had in your life was your first ever open mic your senior year of college. That can't possibly be true. Do you stand by that? Well, at that time, in terms of that was my first set. I'd never been seen, I'd never seen a live stand-up comedy show, nothing. I went on stage, I killed, I came off, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna be very famous very soon. <laughs> and so in terms of that feeling, yeah, still the best set I've ever had. And how long was it from that day until you got very famous? I, not, we're not there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you think if you watched that set, would you be embarrassed or would you still be like, yeah, I remember killing it? I bet it'd be embarrassing. I would, yeah. It would be horrible. I mean, my first set. Don't I, agree so my hard. First you set, don't I know. thought I killed, and then I went back and watched it later because one of the jokes I did in my first ever set, I ended up doing in my roast of Donald Trump. Like, that's how good the joke was that even 10 years later it was still good. That I was like, I gotta watch this again. Maybe there's more hidden gems. And I almost threw up watching it. Like, yeah. It was so bad. I had a heavy Dennis Leary influence. Like, I was dressed wrong. I like did it was not weird. know that about you. In the very beginning. Heavy Dennis Leary. A lot of you knows after <laughs> everything. Like, a lot of pointing fingers. Well, here's what we're going to do right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple of quotes you've done in movies. And I'm going to see if you can, like, fill in the blank. Like, do you remember your lines no. from your old movies? There are not. But go ahead. Let's see. I've got, I've got a couple of them here. Oof. Let's see. I haven't seen all the movies I've done. Really? There's a lot of them I have not seen. What's a movie you've done that you haven't seen? Uh, I never saw Mike and Dave need wedding dates. Have you seen Flock of Dudes? I did not see Flock of Dudes. <laughs> when I even just heard about Flock of Dudes, I got excited. Yeah. I have not seen it. Okay, this is from The Big Sick, where you play the character of Kumail. Yeah, something like blank million hectares are being irrigated. 14. 14 million, that's right. Yeah. I need to get that one. This is from Stuber. This is your character of Stu. Hang on, I'm gonna blank. Nope, don't got it. I'm gonna flip a Yui? Bang a Yui here. Bang a Yui, yeah. okay. Bang a Yui, I think that's where the comedy comes from. Yeah, the bang. But you were close. It's a funny word. Good. Last one, this is from Mike and Dave Need Wedding Day. It's your second favorite movie. What was that about, by the way? I, there's no way to know. You played the role of Keanu. I do. I didn't know that that was his name. You're a masseuse? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I, that movie was a huge problem for me and my family. I've seen like a clip. You have really long hair and, and you're naked. wearing a diaper? <laughs> no, I'm supposed to be fully naked. I'm fully naked in the movie. Gotta, gotta check it out. <laughs> um, physically, there is no penetration. Spiritually, I'll be doing an... Whew. Physically, there's no penetration. Spiritually, I'll be doing an... Is it one word? No, it's, a, it's like a, it's five words. I'll be doing... I, I don't have a shot at this. An intimate tour of her chi. Chakras? Chi. chi. Intimate tour of her chi. Okay. God, it's like, you, it's like you weren't even in Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates at all. <laughs> it's a lot like that. How, how, how did you find that quote? IMDb? Writers. Okay. I wasn't going to watch that piece of shit. 
Great job, Kumail. Thanks for being a sport. Oh, thank you. Now, Kumail, whenever you do stand-up, I imagine you're a take-the-mic-out-of-the-stand kind of guy. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You bet your sweet ass I'm right. And if taking the mic out of the stand is right, then I don't want to be wrong. Let's watch this thing based on what I just said. Take, take out, out the mic. Take out the mic. Take out the mic. Don't leave it in the stand. Take out the mic. Put the stand behind you. Fuck that stand. Take out the mic. Take out the mic. This isn't a TED Talk. Grab the stand with one hand, take out the mic with the other. That's why God gave you two hands. What are you, Steven Tyler from Aerosmith? Take out the mic. You're gonna wanna have that mic in your hands. Take it out of the stand. Put the mic back in the stand. You're gonna need both hands for this next bit. Take, take out, out the, the mic. mic. Stands are for losers. <laughs> we'll be right back with more of this. It's good talk. Welcome back to Good Talk. I'm here with distinguished gentleman, Kamel Nagiani. Kamel, are you still just flying off the success of the big sick? Flying? Flying. No, not at all. Now you've moved on? Yeah. Because I still watch it all the time. In fact, I want to show you what I think is the funniest scene in the entire movie. And a movie filled with hilarious scenes. This one's my favorite. This is the hardest I laughed in a movie theater in years. Every time she sees a bird, she's like, Look at this, it's a bird. I'm always like, yeah, they're all over the place, they're birds. But she like, she likes that bird, you know? Every bird she sees, she sees it. You're a monster. I was watching this movie. <laughs> oh my God. Friday afternoon, packed <laughs> theater, everyone's dead quiet, and I am laughing so hard. Like, I'm emotionally <laughs> invested, but I've known you for years, so it's like I can, I understand you're acting in this moment. But the idea of having a set that bad, where you just start crying and talking <laughs> right. about birds, to me is yeah. absolutely hilarious. Well, you know, the, the thing that I've seen a lot in like comedies was when someone's really honest on stage, they kill. So mm -hmm. we were like, we should do the opposite. Someone's really honest on stage and they bomb, because that's what would happen. Yeah. Yeah. I even like that they like start to laugh, like they think you're doing a character, right. and then they realize, oh no, he just sucks at this. Well, that's what we did was we didn't. So we had that audience there for like three or four days, and it was um, just a bunch of extras, and we filmed all the stand-up comedy stuff together. So this audience was like having a great time. So before that, we did not tell them what was going to happen. So when I went out, they thought it was just going to be another comedy set. We weren't like, hey, this is going to be weird. And so their reactions are real, because they're kind of like, ha, ha, ha. And then they sort of realize, like, oh, something horrible is happening, and I don't want to be here for it. Yeah. I read in an interview that you said that you wanted to get into stand-up comedy after watching Hugh Grant in Four Weddings and a Funeral. Explain yourself. Keep in mind, I have never seen that movie. Okay. Is so, that true? It is true. So, the, so the, the, one of the first scenes of Four Weddings and a Funeral is Hugh Grant is the best man at this wedding, and he gets up and he gives this best man speech. Mm -hmm. And it's basically he's doing stand-up. And that was basically the first like, stand-up routine I'd ever watched. It's like a three- or four-minute stand-up routine. So, and I just really, really loved that. And I was like, I wish there was a job where I could just stand up and give best man speeches, and then I realized there is one. When you're on stage, do you like picture yourself as Hugh Grant? <laughs> no, but there's a picture that someone tweeted at me the other day where I have exactly Hugh Grant's hair. <laughs> when I first started stand-up, I was basically doing a Hugh Grant impression, like with the, like the sort of being nervous and stumbling and stuff. 
Doesn't sound at all delusional. <laughs> all right, Kamel, we're gonna do a segment right now called Agree or Disagree. I'm gonna read you a statement about comedy. You tell me if you agree with it or disagree with it. Okay. Right? Pretty simple. Agree or disagree, under no circumstances should you ever run the light. Every time I've run the light, it's ultimately helped me. So it's not, don't do it if I'm after you. But if I've already performed, run the light, do whatever you gotta do. I used to always say, no, you should never do that. Like, it's like other comics need their time. But now that I'm like headlining shows around LA and they light me, yeah. I just laugh at them. I'm like, I'm gonna run this like an ambulance Dude. and go as long as I want. Dude, there's a show here where if you run the light, they like turn the smoke machine on. Oh, no, I don't know about that. So I did not know that's what would happen. So I'm on stage, I'm doing my set, and it's going fine. It's not going great, but it's, not, it's going fine. And then I see the light and I'm finishing up my last joke and the smoke starts showing up and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And I kind of like, I'm like a little worried, but nobody else seems worried. So then I get off stage and the guy who runs the show is like, Haha, that's our thing. If you uh, run the light, we turn the smoke machine on. And I yelled at this guy so hard, harder than I've ever yelled at anyone maybe. And I was like, I said, tomorrow I'm gonna feel really bad about this and I'm gonna email you an apology, but don't believe it. This is what I mean right now. <laughs> so don't believe when I apologize to you and I will apologize to you because I'm gonna feel bad about this, but I won't mean that. And then of course, I emailed him and I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that is such a great idea it to is tell someone in the moment you're gonna apologize tomorrow, but right now you've gotta get this off your chest. Right, but also that I was like, I won't mean that apology. And yeah. I will say I mean it, but I won't mean it. I but I bet the next day they were still like, that's sweet of Kamal. <laughs> that's nice. Agree or disagree, it's fun to cast a younger version of your wife in your life story. Agree. <laughs> I was wondering how you'd handle that, and you knocked it out of the park. That was perfect. Uh, agree or disagree, America has never been in a better place politically. I disagree. Disagree? Yeah. Why? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, we're, uh, uh, next question. Okay. Okay. But when this, by the time this airs, we might have figured it all out. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. It'll so be... I'll give you another answer. Agree. Okay. There we go. Great. Now we got it covered. Let's soften it up a little bit. Uh, agree or disagree, Woody Allen did not actually molest his own daughter. Why, why would you do this? <laughs> How is this helping anybody? I, what do you think? I don't have an opinion, I don't, I, oh God. Uh. That was Kumail talking about Woody Allen. <laughs> don't go anywhere, things are about to get filthy. Next. <laughs> Welcome back. So Kumail, is there a comedian you know or watched growing up that like really influenced you that you like wish you had one of their jokes? Yeah, well, one of the reasons I started doing stand-up was this guy, Jake Johansson. Mm -hmm, of course. I was obsessed with him. I remember he had a website. I think it's still jakethis.com. And I emailed and I to get like, there was a HBO special called This'll Take About an Hour. This'll Take About an Hour, yeah. This, which is a great title for an hour-long stand-up special. And he like, emailed me and he like made the tape and sent it to me. Like it was just, really? it was just him doing it. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. I once like bought one of Todd Berry's CDs through his website and never got it, emailed and Todd wrote me back and was like, I'll send you a new one. And I was just like, <laughs> as a kid, I was just blown away that like 
Yeah. He had that much time on his Which hands. one was it? Uh, medium first, Energy? Me, medium Energy. Medium yeah. Energy. Yeah. I had Medium Energy. Well, let's take a look at a clip from uh, Jake Johansson's, this will take about an hour, HBO 1991. I'm good with years. I, I feel pretty good tonight. I'm a little, I'm trying to quit smoking, so I'm a little tense. But I can't believe how hard it is to quit, especially since I didn't even like cigarettes when I first started. <laughs> Why well, I had to use that nicotine gum to get going. When you said Jake Johansson was an influence of yours, I didn't really quite get it. And then watching him, I can see some of the mannerisms early on. Like, your comedy's evolved. But that kind of, that cadence was definitely there when I first saw you. That playful uh, kind of staccato rhythm. I definitely had to work to shed Jake Johansson's cadence very, very early, in, early on. I, I really, really sounded a lot like him. And I remember uh, he was performing at Zany's in Chicago. Like, I was two years, maybe a year and a half into stand-up when I really sounded like him, and I didn't know I did, so I asked him, I was like, oh, he's my favorite, can I open for him? And I opened for him, and that's when I was like, oh, this was a terrible idea. Even Jake was like, what's going on, buddy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't be doing this. And so that's when I started trying to actively shed it. Yeah, I think that happens a lot. I, you, I, you know me, I'm very pleased with my own act. Yeah, but every you, once in a while, I do see a comic where I think, oh, I wish I had that bit. So here's one of mine. This is from uh, The Awkward Comedy Show. This is a bit from Victor Vernada. You guys are probably saying, Victor, you're a black albino. What are your superpowers? Now, you tell me I wouldn't crush with that? I really want to see you do this joke. You think if I did his set, like just like front to back, just didn't, what would the reaction be, you think? I think for a while people would be like, because if I said I I'm a black albino and you didn't know me, can you really call me on it? Yeah. A black albino. <laughs> I could be a black person without the black color. Right? This is a very difficult road we're going down. Not for me. Okay. I'm in an SUV just flying. <laughs> I think you should do it. Kamel, you emigrated from Pakistan when you were 18 years old. Was that fun? Was that fun? Mm -hmm. <laughs> the question is, was it fun to emigrate here? Mm -hmm. No, it wasn't fun. No. 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 It was very difficult. Have you ever done stand-up in Pakistan? No. Would you ever want to? Ooh. You know, um, Pakistan doesn't have it so much, but India has actually a huge mm -hmm. stand-up scene now. They have, they have a comedy store in India now. They do. Really? Yeah, weird. Uh, but it's huge over there. Like, I'll see sometimes some guy, like, tweeting at me with an Indian name, and I'm like, who's this guy? And I look, and they'll have, like, 10 million followers. Because India's, like, a billion people. Oh, you yeah. Know? Uh, so I would love to definitely do it in India, because I know they have an audience for it. And I'd love to try Pakistan, too. Does Pakistan still think of you as one of theirs? I... It's complicated, I think. I think they don't really... I don't think they really think of me as one of theirs. That said, whenever there's something that happens with me, in the news, something gets announced, something comes out, it's always covered there in all the newspapers. But I think they have a difficult relationship with me because I married a white woman and I'm not there. So, so I think it's complicated. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. I, I understand where they're coming from. <laughs> Stay tuned for the D Block or I'll bring back at midnight and you do not want to test me. 
Welcome back. Uh, Kamel, thank you so much for being here. I like to end every show with a segment we call Make God Laugh. Is there a comedian who's no longer with us that you felt a particular fondness for? Yeah, this comedian, Kevin Barnett, who I was also friends with, and he was just really, really funny and really young, and he had a lot, a lot of great stuff ahead of him, and he's just um, gone very, very, very early. Uh, and he just had an amazing point of view, and he was like, you know, it's hard for comedy to be cool, and he was just really, really cool. And yeah. I'm just sad that the world won't get to see more of him. Yeah, I didn't know him, but I know a lot of people who did and who were affected by him, who just, everyone spoke so glowingly, and yeah. uh, it was just a, just a big loss uh, for comedy this year. Let's take a look at Kevin Barnett from Adam Devine's House Party. Like, if I died tonight, all the news stories that would come out would be beautiful. Be like, comedian Kevin Barnett was killed last night. He was a great young comic, could have been the next big thing, all types of foolishness like that. But if I die 10, 20 years from now, who knows? There's potential to be like, <clears throat> Walmart employee Kevin Barnett was murdered last night. <laughs> Fellow employees described him as an incredibly lonely man to complain when he wasn't allowed to bring cats on the bus. And I feel like that ain't the legacy I'm trying to leave behind, yo. I hope you enjoyed that, God. I hope you enjoy your cruel, cold laughter. Kamal. Thanks again for being here. You're hilarious as always. And congratulations on your continued incredible success. Thank you, and congrats on figuring out how to get back on TV. <laughs> you can see Kumail and Emily's new show, Little America, streaming on Apple TV Plus this fall. And thank you for watching. I know you must be pretty busy. Good talk. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.